Welcome to the Defence Forces podcast brought to you by the Defence Forces Public Relations Branch. Hello and welcome to the Irish Defence Forces podcast. My name is Captain Keen Clancy and today we're speaking to an Ordnance Officer about the roles of the Ordnance Corps, becoming an Ordnance Officer, explosive ordnance disposal and dealing with equipment and procurement. So thanks very much for coming on. Thank you, Keen. So obviously we're not going to go into uh, for operational security reasons, we're not going to go into say your, your your name or anything like that. But I am going to ask you a bit about like your broad educational background and military background because in order to join the Ordnance Corps as an Ordnance Officer and undertake the Ordnance YOs, you do need to have a certain background, educational background. So for for a start, um, your own military background. How long have you been in the military for? Yeah. So um, my own background, I've I joined uh, in two thousand seven. So uh, we do the maths here, but that's about thirteen years. Um, in the Defence Forces and um, of that time about four years in the Ordnance Corps um, so I had a, a, a sort of a career before the Ordnance Corps. Um, and you were initially commissioned into? I was commissioned into the Cavalry Corps. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, so uh, very different, um, very, very enjoyable as, as you know you've covered here before um, and then I, I, I did a change in 2016 into the Ordnance Corps. Okay, but um, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned that you joined as a non-grad, so you actually didn't have a degree when you joined. Yeah, correct. So I, I joined out of school, and then um, obviously being a school leaver, I was afforded the opportunity to go to college uh, under the USAC uh, scheme. Um, and uh, while there, I studied uh, mechanical engineering, and um, it wasn't exactly with a, a sort of a set purpose to go into the Ordnance Corps or the Engineering Corps, um, but it was definitely in the back of my mind that that would be a possibility down the line. Okay, yeah, and obviously there's a, like, doing the Ordnance YOs, it's, it's a really technical kind of specialist skill. Correct, yeah. Um, and it's, it's something that would be very attractive to a lot of people with a, with a science background or with, a, with an engineering background like that. Yeah. Okay, so, so what, what we're kind of go to, going to go through as the podcast goes along, we're going to, first of all, for people at home, they mightn't realise what the Ordnance Corps actually is. Mm-hmm. And as we talked about, a lot of, people outside the Defence Forces would simply associate your job with bomb disposal. But there's an awful lot of other aspects. Yeah, correct. There's, there's, there's a huge amount more uh, to it. Um, the way we normally break it down is uh, the Ordnance Corps is a, a technical, a tactical and a logistical corps. Um, so from a technical side, we're um, the subject matter experts um, in a wide range of anything to do with weapons, ammunition um, and the electronics and optical equipment that support that, um, and and in support of that we have we have some very we have some specialty skill sets mm-hmm. um, of personnel within the corps. So we have specialist armourers um, who who manage weapons, specialist artificers who who, who handle maintain um, the, the bigger weapons, um, and then uh, the the electronic and, and optical uh, gurus who who look after you know the um, obviously modern weapon systems are a lot more have a lot more electronics in them yeah, and a lot course, more yeah. integrated optical systems so there's a huge amount uh, of that uh, which they're responsible for uh, and ammunition examiners who manage the ammunition um, in the defense forces so then that's the, the, the job of the core from a from a um, technical, technical sense yeah. yeah from a tactical point of view as you mentioned um, explosive ordnance disposal or EOD is is the big one that that, that jumps out um, uh, and that would be obviously the, the Ordnance Corps provides the only EOD um, capability to the state in uh, aiding the civil power, which is the Garda Shikana. Mm-hmm. 
um, and then uh, logistical role um, that would be involved in the um, support of the, I suppose, the frontline units. So at the end of the day, your infantry, your cavalry, your artillery, they need support, mm -hmm. and that's from the tech, from the uh, logistical corps like ourselves, who provide support on ranges, who provide support in terms of ammunition, storage of ammunition, management, um, the importance of which was obviously underlined recently, you know, the safety of ammunition and explosives, yeah. with recent events. Um, um, the, Be the Beirut uh, blast is yeah. referring to the area. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, that's the sort of the logistical role mm -hmm. uh, of the Ordnance Corps. And the, the, the Corps' involvement in procurement as well, which we'll, we'll go into later on in a bit more detail. Yeah, correct, yeah, exactly. Anything that, um, that we get in, any capital projects, um, the, the Ordnance would have an input if it involves weapons or ammunition uh, or any combination thereof, and, and obviously then the, the expertise of the ordnance officers and then the um, members of the ordnance corps in general yeah. is forms a big part of that decision making process. Yeah, of course, and we, we, we obviously when we're going to talk about your own role, it's as a commission officer and it's it's a specific role. But yeah. for enlisted personnel as well within the corps, there's some really specialised um, jobs to be done, which you mentioned earlier, and also education opportunities as well to come into the corps yes. and be trained in those optical systems and. and Absolutely, there, there, there are very specialised uh, skill sets, um, technical roles with associated technical um, pay and, and all that, um, and they require a huge amount of training. They're probably the longest courses that the that the defence forces offers is these 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 programmes. And then, so you, so your job as an ordnance officer is not to replace uh, the skill sets of of these highly technical uh, experts because you couldn't possibly do that but it's to know enough that you can manage um, manage their contribution effectively. Yeah, um, and create an environment for them to, exactly. to wield the expertise that they've gained. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 100%, great. Well, as regards like becoming an ordnance officer, so, th so the Ordnance Young Officers course, which is, which is the, the kind of gateway into becoming a, uh, an ordnance officer, at, at the moment, in order to get on that course, there, there are two streams. Yes, correct, yeah. Um, so the two streams, uh, the, the first of which is if you, uh, if you're listening to this and, and, and you fancy um, a career in the Ordnance Corps and you have the correct educational background, um, then you can apply for an Ordnance specific cadetship. Um, and you know, all the, the details of that uh, will be through the, the, the normal application portal. Um, yeah. For military.ie you'll find, you'll find the educational uh, specifications and requirements and there is also I believe having looked at it um, the Director of Ordnance can take a look if you if your educational requirement isn't necessarily listed under that you can specify it to the Defence Forces as part of your application and then it's at the discretion of the Director of Ordnance as to whether he feels you're... It, absolutely yeah and it's and it's it, it's Ordnance's uh, decision if, if Ordnance, if the Director of Ordnance feels that uh, your qualification uh, will enable you uh, to be an ordnance officer. Then they can make that uh, that that call. Um, so, but by and large, and you think you touched on earlier, uh, the engineering disciplines, the science disciplines, uh, that would be the broad stream uh, of 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 where we would be looking for people. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be uh, you. You come into the organisation as a cadet. Very similar to any other cadet uh, in the defence forces, except you're earmarked for the Ordnance Corps and you will go straight to the Ordnance Corps on commissioning and commence your Ordnance Young Officers course. So you do you do a cadetship, a normal cadetship of the type that we would have covered previously in a previous episode. Yeah. So for anybody out there that is, has that qualification and is thinking that it might be a route they'd like to go down, maybe the Army Cadetship episode would be a good, would be a good 
place to listen to as well. So after that point. Absolutely. And, and, and the key point there is, you know, regardless of the route you come in, you know, you're an officer in the Defence Forces first and foremost. So that would be your first step, you know, so the first, the first gate to get through, the first yeah. hurdle, um, and, and, and to make sure that that's something that appeals to you. Um, the other sort of stream uh, would be where we look for um, people within the organisation who have the educational background and who are serving in other corps. So I was lucky enough to come in um, by that route um, because obviously, as I mentioned earlier, I joined as a school leaver. So I, from an educational point of view, wouldn't have been suitable for um, the technical, any technical core. But having then gotten the opportunity to study, to build an education, I was able to later join the Ordnance Corps. Yeah, of course. And you mentioned, when we were talking about the episode, you mentioned how often an Ordnance Young Officers course will have a really good spread of experience in it. They'll have people who have come, just come off the cadetship and yeah. maybe don't have experience of the organisation mixed in with people who've come from other corps that do have that experience. Yes, and, and it's something I'm observing myself um, as an instructor with, with, with a course um, ongoing and you have that experience and it really is, is, is beneficial to the course as a whole, that mix of experience. You know, you've got the, 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 the younger officers who are just out of the cadetship, um, they have that, that enthusiasm and that more recent training, which is very important, you know, and then you have got the older, the older souls who are sort of a bit more experienced, longer in the tooth, yeah. and they can steer uh, the younger officers. So it's, it's a really good, uh, a good, good mix. Yeah, that's, that's great. So what, we, what we're going to do, I have in front of me here now sort of a list of some of the broad topics that would be, would be covered on, on an Ordnance Young Officers course. Yeah. Obviously it goes up through and does deal with, um, with explosive ordnance, I suppose, which we might talk in, in, yeah. in some detail as well. But just, so one of the first ones I have here in front of me is, is bridging studies, is one yes. of the subjects. So again, that's formed on the, the kind of understanding that whatever your educational background, um, not everyone will be as recent, uh, as current, out of, out of education, um, and the educational backgrounds might vary. So the idea being to um, bring everyone up to the same standard. So that's a, a few weeks um, where we, we cover some of the basic, uh, the, the mathematics, the engineering, the physics, chemistry, and the electronics, which we feel is, is a sort of a prerequisite. Yeah. to becoming an officer. Just, just to refresh or, and make sure, given, yeah. given as, as you mentioned, some of, some of the people on the course are longer in the tooth and maybe it's a while since they've been in education. And exactly. If you're not doing physics every week, you, know, <laughs> exactly. you, know, you won't remember it. Yes. Okay, so you've brought people back up to having a, that kind of base level of sort of mathematics science, yeah. science kind of understanding or engineering that they might have had from their degree. Yeah. And you move on to energetic materials. Yeah, so this is the first introduction. This is four weeks and it's your first introduction to... Um, so... so People who would have had a chemistry background, a lot of this might be familiar, but it's for, for people like myself who are more from the engineering, this was not very familiar. And it's teaching you the chemistry of explosives, basically, um, energetic materials covering explosives, propellants, pyrotechnics, um, all of the um, substances that you will later be expected to, to have a, a very good knowledge of. Um, so it's, 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 it's chemistry, um, but it's chemistry with a, with a view towards uh, you know, the fun stuff, yeah. explosives. Okay, right, yeah, so, and like, that's all theory on paper at this point, so that's all... Yeah, very, very lecture-heavy and problem-based assignments and, um, you know, uh, doing chemical calculations, uh, it, it's all in the classroom, but with, you know, with, with a couple of sort of fun days where you get to see some real-life explosive effects, but yeah. very much in the classroom. Okay, right, and when we were talking there, you mentioned um, how 
with regard to our own young officers course and our own ordinance course, it's, it's done slightly differently in that you become a subject, a proper subject matter expert in the theory before you actually, whereas in other countries. Yeah, well, it, it's the philosophy um, underpinning the uh, young officers course really is, is before teaching you how to be an explosive ordnance disposal or EOD operator, um, you are a subject matter expert in um, the chemistry of explosives, um, ammunition systems themselves, um, and, and, and that, the idea being that that gives you a very solid base on which to actually make your tactical decisions yeah. on the ground, as opposed to uh, where they just teach bomb disposal as a skill. Um, yeah, and you follow just a procedure. Exactly. Okay, so you see so you're more, you be more flexible than I would think. It, it gives you that uh, confidence in what you're doing, uh, a bit more flexibility, and uh, it's, as an organisation, we're, we're quite proud of the fact that um, when we respond to, to uh, when we're needed, that we're sending people who are subject matter experts in uh, in, in the field of, of explosives and ammunition. Okay, right. So, energetic materials, and then that's your explosives, and then you move yes. on to ammo systems, which is yes. putting it in a in a weapon, basically. Exactly. As, as you said, it's the application of explosive uh, explosives and explosive trains. So, um, you know, how you go from uh, to a fuse to a main charge of, a, of, a, of, a, of an ammunition system, um, how it works, how it can, you know, how, how, how it can fail, um, all the various types of ammunition that are out there from, you know, your small arms ammunition, so a bullet, for example, fired from a rifle or a pistol, all the way up to you know, large, complex, guided weapons. So, you know, guided missiles. Uh, your, your javelins and your all javelins, that stuff. Javelins, your RBS 70s, all, all those. Uh, yeah, so it's a huge spectrum. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's interesting because I've often thought about, like, the, the wealth of knowledge is we, we would contact um, ordnance officers during EOD call-outs yeah. and the kind of level of sort of easy knowledge that they have of, oh, it's, it's this millimetre and that's what it is and that's where it came from and that's what it's for. It's, so it's, it's obviously a very, very, very in-depth module. It's very in-depth and, and it's um, the, the way it demands quite a lot from the student because you need to, to do two things. One, um, you, need to very, you need to understand a lot of the theory and this can be very maths heavy, the theory behind how fragments accelerate or how shaped charges to defeat armour, how they form. Um, but at the same time, you need to know just the, the sheer raw knowledge, you know, what you know, are the, the weights of the explosive fills of Defence Forces munitions. You know what size are they? What colorings are they? So there, there's that real two-pronged approach where it's very rote learning, but at the same time very um, in-depth. Uh, how would you say an analytical learning yeah. as well? Okay. And so once you've all you've all this kind of theory done, and you, as I said, you've had a couple of days where you might have seen some of these weapon systems yeah. going off and that kind of thing, you move on to the first part of your actual explosive arms disposal training. Yes. So what we call conventional munitions disposal or CMD. And it's a nice break because, as you've mentioned, you're, you know, at this stage you're, you've done quite a lot on, on lectures and in the classroom. And here, finally, is a chance to, to get out and to, to, to do some real-life practice uh, on the range. So there's lots of time on the range, lots of time trying various techniques for disposing of munitions. Um, as the name suggests, this first part of, of EOD is focused on um, the what we call conventional munitions. So uh, an ammunition, a, a munition, a, a, a shell, a projectile, a mortar, a mortar bomb, uh, anything that is, is made in a factory for a military to use in a, you know, against another military, um, as opposed to something that's improvised, which, which we'll come to. 
So, as you can see, it's a progression from the ammunition systems because you learn how ammunition works. Now you're learning how, now that you know how it works, you're learning what to do when you find it. Yeah. When you turn up at the scene and there's a, you know, there's a grenade in somebody's back garden or there's a, there's a, a projectile which has been fired on a range and has failed to, to explode uh, on impact. All these various scenarios. Or you're overseas and there's lots of unexploded ordnance found. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, near a civilian populated area, what you do, what your safety considerations are, how you protect people. Yeah. So you start going into the, the, uh, the thinking behind EUD, which is all about obviously um, protecting people and, and, and disposing of the, UD, of the ordinance in a safe manner. And because it's, it's an interesting one from the perspective, like the sort of, what immediately springs to mind is like blowing something up. Yes. But obviously, if you find, as you said, a grenade in someone's backyard, and you, you can't just blow it up. Because, you can't, you know. Or there was, one there was an interesting case recently where there was a grenade was um, pulled up from a canal in Dublin, and yes. it, was, it was against the side of a bridge, and you can't just explode it because you might damage the bridge. Exactly. You, you might damage the bridge, and, you know, it, it's, it's no good. Yes, you've gotten rid of the grenade, but you may have done a lot more damage than the, the grenade would have done. Now, you may... Um, you may have caused, uh, you know, financial damage. Uh, you may even, you know, cause a, an injury uh, yeah. or death to someone if you, if you do it poorly. So it's all about getting rid of the threat and doing it in a safe manner. And there are various ways and means and techniques at our disposal. And um, we learn all of those on the conventional munitions disposal okay. course. So it's, it's really a satisfying course. And at the end of it, the culmination of it is an assessment where you know, you're, you're, um, you're on a large range, somewhere like the Glen of Amal, and you're tested on various scenarios where there'll be a, a piece of live ordnance, and, you know, there may be a scenario such as you need to protect uh, a nearby building, and, and you need to come up yourself uh, and actually implement the plan for disposing of that safely. And uh, the proof is in the pudding then. If, if you do, that's, that's you pass, and if you don't, you know, that's... That's that, that you fail, you know, fail to, to, to do your job. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And so moving on then, once you've kind of dealt with conventional munitions disposal, the kind of, yeah, you yeah. move on to the improvised. Correct, yes, yes. So, um, and it's, again, it's building on this foundation. So now you have a foundation of, of how, to, how to deal with, how to respond to a scenario where the army have been asked to help dispose of an item. Whereas only now we've gone from having a, a, something like a grenade or a mortar bomb, something that we know how it works, is predictable, um, to something that is completely in the hands of a criminal, a terrorist, a perpetrator of some kind. Um, improvised device, explosive device, as the, the name suggests, is just anything that can be made um, you know, by, by, uh, by somebody who wants to create havoc for whatever reason. So, so it's a very, you really need to be on your toes when you're going into it. And how do you train somebody to understand from without going into too much yeah. kind of like transgressing op operation security but yeah. like to, pr to process okay I don't know what this is but I'm going to find out what it is without triggering it um, so a huge this is where um, when I when I said at the start that it's a, a, a technical and tactical logistical core this is where really the tactical element comes in because you as the um, as the EOD operator you and your team need to make a a very detailed threat assessment. You know, uh, why, why is this device here? What is the intent of the, the perpetrator? And, and that will feed into um, the, the analysis you make. So there, there are a number of categorizations. I said every IED is different, 
but at the same time there are categorizations and 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 uh, I suppose without going into too much detail but you assess uh, what it is how it is likely to function um, and what most importantly what safety measures you need to put in place to stop it from functioning mm -hmm. or if it does function to protect people you know uh, so how far you need to evacuate people things like that fair enough and Internationally speaking, and, and we kind of we might interject and just just to underline this, like yeah. the ordnance core of the defence force and the IED capability, disposal capability that the defence force would have is very well recognised, yeah. and a lot of that comes down to the the troubles on the island and the munitions that um, uh, dissidents would have left around the country and that we would have had to deal with. Absolutely correct. Yeah, the, we have a unfortunately there's a there's a there's a history of um, of, of IED activity. Uh, in the country, and that has meant that the Ordnance Corps has a, a very, um, a very full history uh, in, in dealing with these, and and, and as you said, uh, are quite well regarded internationally, uh, up there with you know some of the, um, the, the the top countries for for dealing with, um, because the because the the threat was so extreme, and the the the, the provisional IRA in terms of the IED capability they had. Was really in in some respects, you know, remains unsurpassed. Yeah. Um, so there's a huge wealth of technical knowledge there. So you do your IED disposal module, and then you're put onto a duty panel at that point, having still some study to do to become a fully fledged ordnance officer. But you're now on the UD panel. Absolutely, yeah. So we're 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 only halfway there in terms of the making you an ordnance officer. Um, but at this stage, you're now qualified um, to to as we, you know to be on the duty panel and to um, conduct EOD in support of the eight of the civil power. Um, so yeah, so you, you go and you conduct duties, um, which is, which you know, is obviously quite daunting at first, um, that realization that, okay, the, all the tasks, all the, the, the scenarios which you trained, which you trained for on your course, you know, suddenly they're, they're real. Um, but, but it is, the, the, I think the huge draw, I think for me and for a lot of, of uh, people in the Ordnance Corps is that the the scenarios you train for are actually quite you know it's quite similar to what you'll you'll do in real life. What you'll encounter. Yeah, in, in you'll the actually put that into practice. And I suppose everybody's kind of imagining what is it, what is it like to actually put on. And people have seen you know like there's there's films over there, films like the Hurt Locker and all this kind of thing, which will <laughs> the Hollywood side of it. Like, but, yes. but the idea of putting on that the, the big um, suit. Yes. Like, I mean, what is that like when you kind of know that you're approaching a, something that's potentially going to explode? So, like, like a lot of things in the military, um, at that stage, when you're, when you're approaching something, um, you, because of your, your training, um, the, that serves a great purpose, which is to remove that element of... Um, to remove that, that element of, of, of uncertainty and fear... Um, you're you're following a procedure, yep. and you're 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 going through in your head your procedure, and and that's what you're thinking about. So you're not thinking about the oh my god, consequences. what if this what if this goes up? Yeah, yeah you, you know in your procedure that you've done things safely and that you've um, mitigated the risk and, and reduced it to the, as low as, as reasonably practical um, for yourself. So that's that that's a huge. So certainly, what's going on in your head is more so related to the procedure. So yep. all kinds of things buzzing around there. Um, in terms of the suit itself, I mean that's a whole other experience. Um, but that's that's the beauty of the training. It, you know, it, it removes that unfamiliarity. You know, you're putting on something that you know weighs 
35 kilos or so, plus a heavy helmet on top of that. But it's not just the weight, it's also the, the constriction of movement is, is something that you don't appreciate till you start training in it. Um, so even simple things like picking up something or putting down something, uh, kneeling, crouching, lying down to look under, under things or above things, climbing up ladders, getting in and out of doors, everything is harder. And something that you have to learn how to do is to manage how to manage your mental state because when you're physically degraded, your, your mental function goes down as well. So you need to learn how to, to plan what you're doing in meticulous detail and to not be in a situation where you're compromising yourself because you can't think straight because you're so physically degraded. So it requires a, it requires a, a level of physical fitness, um, certainly, and also a level of, of um, planning so that, and an appreciation that no matter how fit you are, you'll get degraded very quickly. Yeah, of course. And is there a kind of, I presume you kind of have a timeline of it, like, you kind of, okay, after 10 minutes, I know that I need to, to go back. And exactly. And that's, again, where the importance of the, the team comes in. It's absolutely paramount. Like, you're not doing this by yourself. And even though, you, you know, you, you see the, the classic picture is the, the, the lonely operator walking down by, you know, by him or herself. But, like, you've got a team. And your, your team is, is so important. So you'll, you'll discuss... Your plan, you'll discuss your threat assessment. You'll 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 not just discuss it, but you'll you'll get feedback and you'll get your team's input as well. And then the team is so important in managing you your own state physically. So they'll you can't you can't pull on the suit for yourself, by example. It's just a simple example of it. You need somebody else to, to put it on you. Yeah. And then you need uh, your team to sort of tell you um, or to discuss with them your plan and for them to. You know your timeline, as you mentioned, how long you're going to be there, and um, to get their feedback and, and kind of confirmation of that. Yeah. So, so, so one of the images that people will be really familiar with would be, you know, it does appear on the media from time to time would be that that big square green truck. But the amount of expertise that is in the back of that truck, outside of just the ordnance officer and operator themselves, the people that, that operate the robots or the equipment is, is huge. It's huge, um, and it's something that we pride ourselves on as an, the ordnance corps um, that by international comparison say um our uh, eud number twos as the as the ncos are called uh, who assist the operator are hugely are very well trained for starters and hugely experienced so again um these would come from these these uh these guys and girls will come from technical streams within the ordnance core and then they do an eud course but um it's certainly something that you rely heavily on especially um, when you're fairly, fairly junior and fairly recently trained, like myself, you know, you, you, you really rely on the expertise of your number two. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you can, be, you can be lucky, you can have two number twos, you know, uh, assisting you. And again, you, you really heavily rely on their expertise. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's, gr that's great to hear. And that's also kind of like a microcosm for like a lot of the rest of the defence forces, like that, 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 yes. team, that working in the team is a huge part of military service across Absolutely. the three services. Absolutely, yeah. It, there's, there's, there's nothing, you know, um, it's, not, it's not an individual effort. And, and you know, if, if anyone thinks that, they, they quickly become disabused of that notion. Uh, through, and hopefully the, the, the one takeaway from the training process is to, to, to get people to realise that, exactly as they would have done in the cadetship, that it's all about teamwork. Yeah. So, you've you've been qualified in in EOD, yes. both conventional and IED, but there is more to the course than after that. After the kind of 
bomb disposal aspect of it. You move on to your, your, your light weapons. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, so once you'd be um, qualified in, in EOD and, and there's even a whole other element of, of chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear EOD, uh, again, which we won't go into detail, but that's, that's further sort of specialization. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, as you said, you go into um, your uh, light weapons and your heavy weapons. Um, and again, to touch back to something I said earlier, this is, this is where you, as the officer, while you're not going to be the, um, the, the subject matter expert fixing weapons on the range, um, or making sure that equipment is, is, is you know, suitable for firing on the range, you, you do need to have the knowledge and the expertise to manage the subject matter experts who do. So yeah. that's what that's all about. And is that, is that going through, like, just, say, the light and heavy weapons, which are the two, the two modules, that's going through all the weapons that the Defence Force operates, or does it kind of go through categories of weapons as well? So it's a, so it's a little bit of both. It's, it's, for starters, it's going through everything that the Defence Force operates, and kind of a little bit like the ammunition system module, you need to know a lot of information, um, so all the, the data behind the weapons which, which we use, but then as well, the sort of uh, analytical knowledge of how a weapon operates. So, so if you see something new, you can form a, a, an accurate assessment of, of how this weapon system operates, how it's similar or different from something that we're more familiar with in the Defence Forces, and, and I suppose most importantly, the so what. Um, and then of course, if we're, if we're procuring new weapons, that's where the, the, the technical knowledge comes in for us to be able to say, well, you know, we need a, a weapon with you know, such and such a mode of operation in order to replace this existing one. Yeah, of course, yeah. And so you light and heavy weapons, which is the actual mechanical operation of these weapons, but yes. then you, you've an, an electronic aspect then. Exactly, yeah. And, and obviously, as it's, it's as, you know, more modern weapons, it's, it's even more the case um, that they have a lot of electronics and a lot of optical equipment uh, built into them or, or associated with them. And again, that's where you're, you're learning the enough um, to, to know how to rely then on the subject matter expertise of your, what we call um, armament artificer instruments. So yeah. your electronics and optical gurus. Okay, yeah, and it's, it's an interesting one because, like for example, having worked on, say down in the naval base with regard to media and dealing with say marine engineers, they often say that the newer ships in the fleet for the naval service are more and more electronic and I presume it's the same can be said for different weapon systems and optic systems that the electronic aspect is ever increasing. Absolutely, absolutely. As you get more capabilities such as, you know, gyroscopic stabilisation on weapons platforms or um, better, like remote weapon stations, better optical capability, integration with um, thermal imagers and night vision equipment, all of that relies more and more on, you know, uh, electronic like yeah. solid electronics and uh, so, so that, that, that just becomes ever more important and moving on then to, to a few of the other kind of things you cover so you're covering like your radar accident investigation and also your ammunition management yes yes so um, again there's there's a th- it comes into the logistical role of the ordnance core um, you, you, one might think that with ammunition it's a simple case of you know just just put it in a container or put it in a warehouse and kind of forget about it. But again, there's a huge amount of, of regulations which have come from, you know, from, from bitter experience abroad and, and at home uh, as to how to safely manage ammunition. So, so ordnance officers get trained on that um, so that they're able to maintain the Defence Forces stock of ammunition, that they can 
maintain ammunition when when we go overseas we set up a new camp how to store the ammunition safely um, so I know there are some particular types of rounds that over a long period of time require things like temperature control rooms and things like I know the RBS absolutely. 70 I think the anti-aircraft uh, or sorry the the air defense um, missile requires that absolutely yeah and 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 more so yeah especially is this the case with, with guided weapons because well for two main reasons one they're very expensive so we want to look after them and then two um, they have quite a lot of uh, energetic material in them so yeah. if something goes wrong it can go very wrong so temperature control for guided weapons and um, especially humidity control as well is very important so outside of the sort of within within camp aspect of the young officers course there's also like a, an academic aspect to it yes and there's also like a work placement aspect to it but that's always with that's that's with a unit within the defense force you Correct. go to an ordnance unit to a, an ordnance unit and and, and generally um to a, one of the brigade ordnance companies um where you again you'll get on the job experience um with the the day-to-day -day, uh work of the ordnance okay and then from an academic perspective you you do a dissertation yes and the course itself is affiliated with with Carlo correct yeah so it's um it's a, a level nine, a Masters of Engineering uh, with Carlo IT. And uh, the, the dissertation, um, really, th there's, a, there's a lot of latitude here. Um, a student, if they have a particular interest uh, and it's deemed to be worthy of the, you know, the, the level nine course, um, they can pursue that. Um, and, if, and if they don't, then the Ordnance Corps has, never has any shortage of of topics which they need to find out more about. Yeah. Um, so it's it's driven by 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 need really. Um, what do we need to, to to know more about or to to get an, an expert sort of to to dig deep deep into a problem and to do some experimentation and uh, you know they always tend to have a, a large degree of practical experimentation. So yeah. working with explosives or ammunition and, and um, computer modeling and, and again that's where they. Um, engineering and science background uh, comes in heavily. Yeah, and it's, it also links back to what you were talking about earlier as regards having a real kind of subject matter expert rather than just teaching a skill set of, say, bomb disposal. You, you now have a real academic background in, yes. in, this, in, the, in the whole field of ordnance munitions and explosives. Correct, yes, yeah, yeah. And it, that's exactly what the, um, what the, 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 the master's in, ordnance munitions, explosives engineering. Um, and the idea is that, yeah, uh, this course produces a subject matter expert in these fields. Who has flexibility and can, and can think in a kind of critical manner about the whole area. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And actually, it's, yeah, very good point there uh, that you mentioned that the, the critical thinking is, is, is something which I think is, is certainly has been my experience. It's, it's highly pushed uh, on the course and within the core um, to, you know, to give you enough expertise um, that you, you, know, you don't take things at face value and you can be the, the voice in the room that, that you know, it says, well, such and such an assessment is, from a technical point of view, is correct or isn't correct. Yeah. And it arms you with that knowledge. Okay, fantastic. And just to move on slightly as well to, to like another, just another aspect of the ordinance call once you, once you come out as well, it's just the, what we talked about earlier was the, the acceptance and procurement of equipment. Yes. Yeah, so equipment and, and ammunition. And basically, everything which the Defence Forces um, buys, and there's quite a lot of it, um, uh, that has that's related to ordnance munitions or explosives um, an ordnance officer um, and certainly members of the ordnance corps specialist members of the ordnance corps are involved at various stages of the procurement mm -hmm. so um, this could be on a you know a new weapon system or a new, a new a new platform if it involves integration with a weapon system 
um, we'll need to give our, you know, be involved in the board and, and make submissions and uh, give our technical uh, advice. And I suppose more importantly, be physically there, visit the factory, visit where it's made, wherever in the world that may be, and, you know, give a sort of a, an okay, a, a go or no go. Like this is, this is a good piece of equipment or this equipment maybe falls short of the, mm -hmm. the safety requirements or the capability requirements. And there's also an aspect for you of actually writing, like extrapolating the need and actually writing those, as in we are looking for a thing exactly. that does A, B, C and D. And you can tighten that up depending on... Exactly, exactly. And, and again, um, it, it's, it's, I, I like to think then, yeah, we can be maybe a, a vital link between the end user. Ultimately, at the end of the day, our job is to support the, the end user. So the infantier, the, you know, the, the, the cavalry man or woman, or the, the gunner, um, who's going to use this equipment. Yeah. Um, but then our job is to sort of, I suppose, translate that need to, to interact with the user, end users, translate that need into, you know, looking what's, what's out there and, you know, critically analysing, well, what, within our constraints of, of, of budget and all that kind of, you know, real-world constraints, what can we realistically, what do we want? What can mm. we get out of it? How can we extract the most benefit? Yeah, what can, we, what can we deliver here? Yeah. And that even goes on to clothing and, and, and boots and all that kind of, as in... Yeah, even the, the sort of work-a-day things like that um, is an ordinance responsibility. Mm. And, but, but again, the key thing is that it's not just ordnance, you know, sitting in, a, in an office somewhere making these decisions. The, the key thing is that we get feedback from the organisation as a whole. So yeah. what works and, let's be honest, what doesn't work? And yeah. What do we need to change for next time? And there's always a testing aspect of these things as well. I know that, for example, just to go on to brass tacks of boots and things like that, yeah. there, there will be, uh, you'll see some guys on with some boots that aren't yeah. necessarily issue boots and they're trialling them to see if they're... Exactly, to see if it's up to the capability. And again, the you know, a boot that can look great in a catalogue and can be given a really good sell by a, a sales rep and can be, you know, very comfortable in an office. You take that out to the Glen, you give that to a cadet for a while, you know, that's, you know, see how, see, see how it lasts after that. That's a real test. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to buy, you want to buy a few thousand pairs of boots and the next thing they're falling apart after Absolutely. a two-week exercise. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so that's, that's just an aspect, I suppose, of the ordnance core that people wouldn't be necessarily aware of. And again, we spoke about sort of the, the fact that bond disposal is always like up there at the top. Yes. But these are, these are other things that you have to take into account and another string to the, to the bow of the ordnance officer and the, the member of the ordnance corps as well. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And just from your own perspective as well, you've actually recently completed a, a further course of training in the UK with the, with the British Army. Correct, yeah. Um, I was very lucky actually. Um, I got afforded the opportunity to go do the... Um, ammunition technical officer course. Um, I suppose the, the course I've just described, the Ordnance Wales, th this would be not quite the same, but uh, certainly analogous to it in the, the British Army, um, in that it focuses on um, you know, the technical aspects of, of ammunition uh, in, in, in huge detail. Uh, and like, so how did it compare? Like, would you, would you find that you had covered some of this ground before, or was it a real new opener? Like, what was it like working with another military? Um, we, we covered a certain amount, um, but then some of it was new, and um, even the experience of, of covering a lot of the ground again was, was hugely beneficial um, to me. The, the experience, I can only say positive things about it. The, uh, the, the institution was, you know, it was a very well-run place. The, the, um, the staff and fellow students were, were a great bunch of 
great bunch um, and I had, a, I had a great time over there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was a great opportunity. That's fantastic. And was there other international students on the course with yourself or was it just yourself and... Uh, no, uh, there, were, there were two, there were two uh, Kiwis, so two from the NZDF um, and then nine British students and myself. So 12 of us in all, so a fairly compact group. Yeah, a nice size group, yeah. It was, yeah, and you know, so the course in it was 20 months in total, so obviously we, 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 we became quite close over yeah. the course of that. And how did, you find, how did you find applying what you learned on that course to, to your current role now? Is there a specific niche that you've kind of put into now to, to examine, or? Well, I think I was, again, lucky when I came back. Um, I was, uh, I came back uh, to the, the Ordnance School, so I think that was, the hope there was that I could apply some of the, knowledge I, I, I'd gained on, on the course in the UK. And I have to say, I, I've, I've found it quite beneficial in, in that way. Like a lot of the, in, in formulating um, uh, lesson plans and, and how we instruct and the philosophy of how we instruct the young officers course, I've been lucky, I've been able to bring a lot from my recent experience in the UK yeah. uh, to bear on that. You know, allied then with the, the strong culture that's already there in the, in the Ordnance School, I think it's a, a good mix. That's fantastic, that's great. And as regards continuous professional development in the Ordnance Corps as well, yeah. and we spoke about the international reputation of the Ordnance Corps of the Irish Defence Forces being, being very positive. Um, there are other opportunities as well for, for personnel. Uh, correct, yeah. Um, there's, there's further further development. Um, as it's, it's suppose as the need arises, the Director of Ordnance will send officers um, to, to, to complete courses. So these could be uh, in aspects of EOD, for example, um, like more specialised aspects of it. Um, so, I mean, the, the idea is once you've done the, the, um, the Ordnance Wales course and you're qualified in EOD, um, you're, you're qualified to a certain level, but there's a whole spectrum of, of further, more advanced qualifications. I spoke briefly about the chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear. So mm. there'll be a certain amount of CPD in that field. Um, but there's then opportunities you can do um, abroad that will further that even more yeah. um, and, and on other aspects of EOD. Yeah, and making sure we're all at the, at the kind of cutting edge coming from international, an international perspective and, as well. And, and that's really important because it allows us, as, as we mentioned earlier, um, there's, a, you know, there's an unfortunate history uh, on this island for, of, 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 uh, of, of IEDs. Um, but then this allows us to integrate lessons that were learned uh, in more recent theatres, such as, you know, Afghanistan, for example, yeah. where, where um, there was a lot of IED activity uh, or, or other such uh, fields abroad. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it's, I suppose it's interesting too that the, the construction of things like IEDs is a constantly evolving yes. um, field, so you need to be constantly evolving your skill set. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, training, uh, your, your education and your training doesn't stop when you finish your Ordnance Wales course. It's, it's very much a starting point. For it so um, continuous professional development and then even informal training and um, so constantly re-familiarizing yourself with your kit with your equipment and um, doing training with your with your uh, with your team uh, at, you know when the opportunity arises all these things are, are crucial fantastic so at the end of that thanks so much for coming on to the show and shedding some light on what is a really fascinating aspect of military service I'm sure a lot of people will get a lot of a lot out of that you're very welcome um, for further information on the Irish Defence Forces, check out our social media channels and military.ie. Serving members are also encouraged to check out the members area of military.ie. This episode was produced by Corporal Keith Harrison and Governor Porrick Sullivan of the Defence Forces Audiovisual School. 
The Irish Defence Forces podcast will return soon with another episode. Until then, thanks for listening and stay safe.